From the lava river of Navarro to the sand dunes of Pisana, you are listening to Star Scavengers, a Star Wars podcast that sometimes talks about Lego and all kinds of other stuff. What's up, Jonah Marie? I'm doing good, Aaron. How's it going with you? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a while. It has been. I don't a remember. While. I'm trying to think of the last thing we talked about. Oh yeah, we did an episode about kind of a celebration recap, and like we talked about the the Mandalorian trailer and all that stuff. I don't even remember that. So you have a better memory than I do. <laughs> yeah. So we thought it would be cool to get you know to get back into the podcasting uh, mode here when it comes to Star Scavengers. It's been a while, um, and we really haven't been doing too much with the Lego collecting. I know I've been kind of on a pause because I've been moving from one house to another, which means I have to move a lot of Lego stuff, but then I also have to figure out where all my new Lego stuff's going to go. See, you have a legitimate excuse, though. I just have it on pause because I honestly don't have any space. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm looking at a box of Lego that I have on my floor because I don't have any space for it in my closet. And And I haven't built it because I don't have any place for it to display it but it's the atdp from star wars rebels with oh, agent yeah. callus yes i got that and, set way back oh when. do you yeah yeah so i have it i haven't opened it i really want to get out callus though but i just i haven't i don't have the space for it and that's the thing apartment living sucks <laughs> i think that minifig even comes with the cool helmet with like the little like kind of holes in it he, you know how he had that helmet with like the swiss yeah. cheese holes in it yes right yeah i always thought it was like a strainer <laughs> yeah exactly that's better that's a better word um but yeah that, i always thought that minifig was pretty cool yeah. although i don't know if he comes with hair uh you know i don't know like I, I don't got think so helmet the whole time yeah yeah the helmet yeah he didn't get his fancy pretty hair until later on yeah you can't do hot callus with that minifig no yeah, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is a true issue. It's a true problem for Lego people is like where to put stuff because once you run out of space, it's, it's kind of like yeah, you don't you don't want to keep buying stuff because you don't want to just leave stuff in boxes. You want to exactly. build it. Exactly. So I'm kind of running into that problem right now with my new spaces. I ha- I actually have a couple sets that I haven't built yet, and I did buy a Rise of Skywalker set. Which um, one was the one that you bought? So I got the A wing that comes oh, okay. with. So I'm looking at, I'm actually holding the box right now. It's a Resistance A-Wing Starfighter. Um, this is one that comes with Snap Wexley and Lieutenant Connix. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, this uh, It's 269 pieces, and it looks really cool. I actually don't own an A-Wing yet, so this is my first A-Wing. Neat. But it's not my first Snap Wexley because he came with a Microfighter set. That's right. He did. Back in the day. So... Although they didn't, they didn't have his name on the microfighter set. It was, you know, it was widely accepted that it was him. Mm-hmm. So, well, think, because of the helmet design, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think this is the same minifig. I ha- I'll have to compare them, but I think you get the same minifig in this set because I don't think his look has really changed much. Got it. But yeah, so yeah, I figured, um, you know. This is a small enough set, though, that I think even though I don't have a ton of space, I could probably still figure, you know, I could build it and find somewhere to, some shelf to put it on. Right. Yeah, I think that's the thing with me. I have, I can make space by incorporating shelves. I just haven't done that because my Ikea is like 
two hours away <laughs> and I know I can get it shipped, but then I'd have to do the research and stuff and I'm just lazy about it. But one day I will have a wall dedicated to my Lego stuff. <laughs> I was just at Ikea the other day. I was looking for shelving specifically for this stuff. And um, luckily I moved closer to an Ikea, so I'm actually only 20 minutes or less away. Well, from, from an good Ikea, for you, Aaron. Which is, which is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> that is dangerous. It's very, it's very tempting. It's almost too convenient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we did want to talk about because we we haven't talked about Mandalorian since Mandalorian came out. We haven't talked about Disney Plus since Disney Plus came out at all, sure. which <laughs> now includes Freemaker Adventures and uh, Lego All Stars. And then Rise of Skywalker just came out. So we have a ton of stuff we can talk about, exactly. which is really cool. So where should we begin? Where should we begin? I guess, Let's just talk about Disney Plus, I guess. Yeah, Disney Plus. And then Plus. we can go on from there. And let's just throw it out now because, I because spoiler alert, um, once we get into talking about Mandalorian and once we get into talking about Rise of Skywalker, we are going to be talking spoilers. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and throw the spoiler out alert out now but also we'll throw another one out before we start talking about those specific topics but just want to throw it out now just in case as we start talking about disney plus we start to delve into mandalorian true that so disney plus um much anticipated um mm -hmm. major library of content for anyone who's a disney fan which i i definitely am and um also all of the uh, star wars content that we're excited about, including Rebels and Clone Wars. Is Resistance on there yet? Is It is. It, the first season. Okay, first season of Resistance. So all the animation, including Freemaker Adventures, which this podcast was started because of Freemaker Adventures. Mm -hmm. So have you, t have you taken the time yet to rewatch any Freemaker Adventures? No, I haven't, unfortunately, but I did add it. It was like one of the first things I did was add it to my watch list. Mm -hmm. So all of the things that I was really looking forward to rewatching, I made sure to add in there. And I'm slowly but surely going through um, what I have in that list. And I, I first put the stuff that has been out of... Um, I guess, uh, availability for years, like some of the old Disney channel shows. So that's where I started off and I'm slowly but surely getting up there to some of the more recent stuff. So when you say old Disney channel shows, yeah, give me so, a couple titles. So weird. Uh, we used to be a show from like the early, no, not, that's not true. The late nineties. And it was basically a supernatural type of series where the main character, would go around um, uh, traveling with her mom because her mom was a uh, singer. So everywhere they went, she would encounter something along the way that had that had to do with supernatural stuff or aliens or mythical stuff. It was just really awesome. It was only two seasons, but it really shaped my interest in that world and I just, I was so desperate to see it because it hasn't been on air at all since I guess yeah the early 2000s and so I was super happy to get my hands on that it really is like a gold mine of this old content that 
I had kind of forgotten about a lot of these things that oh, were out yeah. there. Oh, yeah. And like, oh, man, now I can watch this show that I haven't really thought about, you know, since I was a kid. And now that my kids are getting a little bit older, it's kind of a cool opportunity to at least show them some of the things that I used to watch when I was younger. Although I don't know that they will really get into it. Like, I used to really like a show called Tailspin. Tailspin! Yes! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched the first couple episodes and I was like, okay, this is like, it definitely brought back some memories, but it also makes you realize how dated it is mm-hmm. and like kind of like oh, i don't know if this is really going to keep my son's interest because of the type of things that he watches now i mean even ducktales you know they have the original ducktales but um you know the the new ducktales is much more kind of modern and more exciting oh yeah especially with louis being so into selfies and such and <laughs> i thought wow <laughs> how times have changed <laughs> but i found myself looking for i my parents used to be really strict about what i was allowed to watch when I was a kid, but one of the things they did let us watch was kind of all those Disney movies from, I don't even know why they were originally made or if they're originally theatrical movies or what, but like kind of the, you know, the Davy Crockett kind of stuff that that's on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was kind of interested to go back and watch some of that stuff. Cause I hadn't really watched it since I was a kid or F- Swiss family Robinson. Um, oh yeah. Those that type of titles. Is- that's old, Aaron. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I'm not that old because those those were made a long time ago. But for whatever reason, when I was growing up, those were kind of back on TV at that time. Got it. So, <laughs> I think they had this thing like Sunday nights called Wonderful World of Disney where they would play like a select movie um, from their library. And so that's kind of how I got introduced to them in the uh, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, is there any and then from and the other show that I was super interested in rewatching uh, is Gargoyles. Oh yes, yeah, see, I did grow up watching Gargoyles. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't uh, turned it on yet, but that's definitely one that was. It was kind of in that same time period as like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. which is not Disney, but um, you know that was kind of the shows that I grew up with. So got it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Gargoyles would have been a little before your time. No, it was actually right there um, when I I remember watching those episodes as they were airing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. when that came out. Maybe I was too old for it. Maybe I, I just think was, it was uh, mid nineties. Mid nineties. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I might have been an older teenager at that point, and you probably were, you know, preteen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So there's some overlap there because I think it would appeal to that broad of an audience. Yeah. That show. Mm-hmm. I just remember Jonathan Frakes was like a voice on it. Yes, there were a lot of Star Trek people on Riker there. Riker from Star Trek, who I was, a, you know, I used to love Next Generation. So just the fact that he was a voice on it was enough to get me interested. Right. And Deanna Choi, I forget her real name now. Marina um, Sirtis? Yes, that's right. And she voiced Demona. Ah, nice. Yeah. What a mm-hmm. name, Demona. Demona, I know. She's yeah. so awesome. <laughs> 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 so I'm assuming that you would you would say that Disney Plus has not been a disappointment. Oh no. I mean and there were things that they had to iron out at first. I still wish that they had done like a pre-launch and had it so that people could download. The content wouldn't have been accessible until that specific day, but since they did it all at once on that one day, it was a lot of people were experiencing slowness and some crashing over here and there but i think overall it was it was good and i ended up 
just being on it practically every day. <laughs> yeah. And it's I, up to expectations. I agree with you. I think they could have done a little better with the launch and completely like what you said, have the ability to at least download the app. Yes, exactly. That would have been helpful. And then you could kind of, once it activates at whatever time, then you could start watching your stuff. I didn't have yeah. any problems with the initial download because I was one of the crazy ones and stayed up super late that night. And they, they actually released it a little bit earlier than they had kind of previously announced. Oh. And so I had caught wind of it being out there. Like people were like, oh, if you have Apple TV, the app's already there and that kind of stuff. So I was able to grab it and then watch the first episode of Mandalorian before I even went to bed. Nice. Um, and I forget about, it was probably around 1 to 2 a.m., somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. So, so I was, that was cool. But at the same time, I was like really tired while I was watching the first episode of Mandalorian, <laughs> which I think we can transition into now. So we'll throw yeah. out that second spoiler alert, you know, so we are going to start talking about Mandalorian and the whole first season has now been released. So we can talk about all of it. Yeah. Um, this isn't going to be like an eight hour episode of, of Star Scavengers, but we can kind of breeze through the entirety of the season. So we will be getting into some spoilers. Indeed. And also just very briefly, I wanted to say that Bob and Bill, I, uh, they're working on a new show called The Curse of Molly McGee. And I think it comes out later this year. I'm not exactly sure on when it's released. But if anyone's interested, definitely check it out. Because whatever they do, obviously, it's amazing, as we know, because of Freemakers. So I just wanted to throw that out there just to let people know. So is that which um, what network is that going to be on? That's a Disney show. Oh, it is a Disney show. Because mm-hmm. I know they were working on something for, was it uh, Nickelodeon or Cartoon Oh, Network? I'm not sure. But it definitely says Disney's The Curse of Molly McGee. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. I need to look that up. Yeah. But uh, The Mandalorian... I remember when it first dropped. Unfortunately, I couldn't watch it that late at night. I had to go into work. I couldn't take the day off. But I had deleted the Twitter app. I I logged out of it. I logged out of Twitter. I was I was basically off the grid for that entire day. And I ran home to be able to watch it. And I thought it would be fun to create a reaction video as I watched it. And I'm glad I did because that episode was fantastic from beginning to end, especially the end with that big reveal. <laughs> I actually did watch your um, reaction video, which I thought was really funny. Oh, yay. I'm glad. <laughs> it's part of the reason why I wanted to podcast with you about this topic, because I was like, it was so fun to watch you just have your reactions. I was like, I got to talk to her about this stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, that first episode, really, I didn't know what to expect Me too. going into this show. And I remember the trailer, and I think we had talked about this maybe in the last time we talked, but the trailer that they showed at Celebration... I was a little nervous. I was kind of like, oh, are they really just overhyping this thing and it's going to be this big disappointment? And in it, people like to pick on Star Wars, you know? Yeah. If it, you know, <laughs> if they don't th- put out something that's really going to please all the fans, you get at least 50% of the fans that are out there kind of picking it apart and kind of ripping it, in which we've kind of seen with Rise of Skywalker a little bit. But so I was kind of nervous about it. I was like, oh, you know, is it going to live up to expectations? And then when they showed the first episode, I loved it like right away. Same. And, but at the same time, it felt a lot different than I expected it to, to feel. 
Yeah, like you said, I didn't know where it was going. I thought it was going to be bounty hunting stuff. And, you know, with every story, there has to be like some sort of inciting incident that pulls your character into some sort of problem that they have to solve. So I was, I, I knew something, there was going to be some conflict of some kind that would put him. Um, in a very strange situation, but I did not expect it to be where Bounty was a child, and it, that totally changed the game. <laughs> well, they had shown us a lot of the preview stuff was like you you see Cara Dune's character, right? You see, IG Eleven was in a ton of it. Um, you see Grief Karga, and you almost feel get this feeling like oh, there's going to be this team assembled. Uh, it's going to be kind of this like team up type of bounty hunter type of story. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, you see the guy, uh, you see Moff Gideon in the preview stuff and you see um, what's the other guys. I forget the character's name, who was the guy that initially put out the, the bounty on the child. Oh, it was just the client. He didn't even have a name. <laughs> yeah. But you see these bad guys, you see like the good guy team and you're kind of like, okay, I, I know what this is all about. And then you watch that first episode and, Gina Carano is nowhere to be found. IG-88 gets his head blown off at the first at the end of the episode. IG-11, IG you mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and then, you know, Grief Karga is not in it that much. And so it was kind of like, okay, they're throwing me for a loop, but I'm, I am I still like what they're giving me. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It was, it was completely unexpected how the people that we thought were going to be regulars just turned out to pop up here and there and then really played a major role towards the end of the series in a, in an Avengers assemble kind of way. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it took, it took the entire season for them to kind of get to the point where I thought it was going to start out that way. You know, right. I thought that within the first couple episodes, they were going to kind of assemble this team. Now it does seem like, you know, in a way they have kind of assembled a team, but at the same time, not really because IG 11's already gone again. Sadly. <laughs> and that's where I thought, man, I wish they could have gone a different way with that because they could have eliminated that Stormtrooper platoon part and had it just go straight into that one-on-one uh, face-off with Moff Gideon and the Mandalorian. And that way we could keep the nurse droid around. <laughs> but no, fortunately, they decided to rip our hearts out yet again. Yeah, I think they... I think they felt like they needed that death to happen because there were definitely ways you could think or think about it and be like, oh, they could have, he could have survived. I mean, you saw IG-11 take out way more people than that, you know, in previous True. parts and previous episodes where it's like, how hard would it have been really for him to take out that platoon? Mm. Um, but I think they needed him to die or at least they felt like they needed him to die at this point. So they came up with a way to do it. I will argue on it. <laughs> yeah, I love that character. I mean, he's my favorite of like in the pre the preview stuff. He was the character that really stuck out to me, and I really enjoy the IG droids. It's like one of my favorite Star Wars characters. So I love IG eighty eight, and then then IG eleven. Um, and so I was excited about this character. So when he died at the end of the first episode, when Mandalorian kind of turned and shot him in the head. I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the only <laughs> Funko Pop I bought. You know, it's sitting on my desk. And you're going to kill this guy at the end of the first episode. And then they didn't bring him back until, what, episode seven? Yeah, seven. So, 
I was happy that he came back, but at the same time, I was just like, oh man, that's the one character I kind of had latched onto, and I really didn't get <laughs> nearly as much of him as I wanted. Right, yeah. And uh, and also, don't forget IG-89 <laughs> from Freemakers. Yeah, IG-89, yeah. <laughs> Plus one, yeah. The math is all, it's important. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's another IG... Um, well, in the old Legends comics, there was a character, I believe it was A.G., actually, they, by that time, because it was set kind of in the future. Oh. Um, there was an A.G. dash, and I'm, tra- I'm forgetting the, the number now. It was like either 37 or 47 or something like that. Interesting. Um, which I really liked that character, too. So there's there's a handful of these I.G. slash A.G. type assassin droids that I, I really like. I just think it's such a unique look that's so Star Wars. There's no... Because you see robots or droids in, in a lot of these different franchises, but you don't see anything that looks like IG-88 except in Star Wars. It's true. Yeah, a lot of them tend to be very humanoid-like or just way off like uh, Daleks from Doctor Who. <laughs> right, like Daleks are very unique to Doctor Who. Um, kind of in a similar way as certain droids are very unique to Star Wars, like R two D two. Like you see R two D two, and you don't see anything else like that, you know, mm-hmm. other than mm-hmm. in Star Wars. And I think the IG droids are that way. Yeah, yeah. And I personally liked the, and I keep referencing this because it's the best way to describe the show, but it reminded me a lot of Hercules and Xena. Those two adventure type shows that existed in the early 2000s where every episode was a different adventure and there might have been like an overarching plot or something. But for the most part, they were meeting different characters, having different adventures. And I, you know, I started getting that vibe in the middle part of the series of the series. And I know a lot of people weren't happy with it because it didn't really touch on you know, what we saw at the beginning, at the end, but it just gave me that vibe. And I really, and even the other day I was telling my brother how I miss those type of shows. Like I wish we would get a series where, you know, just characters go on different adventures, side quests and such. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely did have that kind of throwback vibe where you could watch any individual episode and it kind of has its own contained story. Mm-hmm. which isn't isn't very common anymore in tv once exactly tv kind of changed in their what early 2000s when when like heroes and lost and 24 and these type of shows were really popular and it became the norm where you just have this this story that you know each episode kind of picks up where the last one left off and there's this overarching story whereas this is very much these individual although there is kind of a thread that that follows through Mm-hmm. each adventure does feel like like some of these episodes you probably could have sh- shuffled around you know in the order that they aired and yeah you probably wouldn't have really noticed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. specifically episodes five and six because five was the one on Tatooine with uh fennec shand and toro and episode six was with the uh, bounty hunters yes yeah uh, Mm-hmm. Or the mercenaries, I should say. Right. Yeah. So, but I, yeah, I'm loving it. Um, we haven't even, you, you briefly mentioned uh, Baby Yoda, which I don't know. Like, I like to just call him Baby Yoda just because that seems to be what everyone is calling him. 
Right. <laughs> Some people are like, no, you should call it, you know, the asset or the child or all these different names that are out there. But I think Baby Yoda is just the easiest because everybody knows what you're talking about. Exactly. I don't I don't mind it at all. Um, but uh, yeah, Baby Yoda is just super adorable. It's funny because I tweeted earlier how I, I wonder what the puppet, the, how the puppet is uh, um, stored. And if anyone goes up to it to like pet its head or talk to it for like a few minutes, because I, it's just it, there's so much life to it. I know there, <laughs> there's, you know, animatronics and CG that takes part in it, but um, just looking at it, it makes you feel like it's a thing that's alive. <laughs> <laughs> My son was just watching this show or this, uh, I guess it's kind of like a short film on Netflix and I can't even remember the name of it now, but it's like a Christmas movie and mm -hmm. it's about this little girl in like early 1900s Ireland who basically steals the, the baby Jesus from the manger at the Catholic church because she wants to put him in a blanket and keep him warm. And it's it. You're making me think of that because of like the idea that this actual puppet that's not even alive. It's like it needs <laughs> someone to take care of it. <laughs> it's true. And even even uh, Werner Herzog was telling the crew how they should have the actual puppet there, and he was calling them cowards for <laughs> for wanting to switch to CG. And Werner Herzog, I'm I'm so thankful for your input because that little that little puppet is super adorable, and I'm I'm so happy. I pre-ordered the the plush that's coming out on Shop Disney soon, so I look forward to getting that. <laughs> it's definitely kind of an expected thing now with Star Wars. It's part of the aesthetic of Star Wars that people expect in that, like, if you have a puppet or a character that is completely practical, it's even though it looks fake sometimes, people just are like, okay, that's fine, it's Star Wars. You know, mm -hmm. we have the cantina scene in the very first movie where like half of the things in there were just like really fake and bad looking. Um, <laughs> and we're just kind of like we're we're conditioned to be OK with that. Whereas if maybe another show tried to do that, you'd be like, oh, it looks so cheesy. Like it's so tacky. Right. But Star Wars completely can get away with it. It's part of a D the DNA. Yeah, exactly. I, and I was even thinking of that when I was watching Rise of Skywalker. There's a couple characters that were. Um, you know, a little bit not CGI or kind of a little bit more practical that I was just like, oh, that looks so fake, but it's fine because it's just <laughs> Star Wars, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, do Did you, you think... have a favorite? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, do you have a favorite episode of the season? I think my favorite episodes are the first episode and the last episode. Oh, okay. Got I it. And maybe that's because of IG-11 being more in those episodes. Uh, I thought that the shootout at the end of the first episode where ig-11 and the mandalorian are taking out all those mercenaries mm -hmm. and the part where he just kept saying he was going to self-destruct and the banter between the mandalorian <laughs> like no stop you know you're not going to self-destruct and how they kind of worked as a team to get to the asset and then the big reveal of of baby yoda and i just thought that just all of that just blew me away yeah so i think the first episode um maybe my favorite and then this this last episode i thought was amazing as well yeah, and they did a great job of echoing some of that from episode one to episode eight because, you know, the Mandalorian picks up that big gun just like how he did in episode one. And unfortunately, IG-11 does activate the self-destruct and that was something that they were, you know, fighting about in the first episode. So it's funny to see some of those things echo in the episode, in the final episode. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, I'm going to say mine is chapter four, which is Sanctuary, because I love me a good romance story. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just so in love with the whole Omira and the Mandalorian just possibly having something. And I thought it was so wholesome and so sweet. And yeah, that's me. (laughs) Yeah, there, there was definitely some vibes going on there. Totally, totally. <laughs> I thought it was funny the one part where she comes into his tent and she's like, "So, do you ever take off the armor?" Oh, the 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 helmet, yeah. And then it was just, well, I think she kind of she didn't she say at one point she said, "Do you ever take off the armor?" No, I think just I watched helmet. it enough okay. times. <laughs> yeah, you're like, no, I've seen it enough, Aaron. I'm I'm right. <laughs> I've seen it like ten times. That's how favorite of an episode it is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, she does say helmet, and he said I took it off yesterday. Um, and then yeah, that was a great conversation. But yeah, she said in front of someone else, and I thought, oh man, I know where she's headed with this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I that was there was definitely something there, you know. I think she definitely was interested. He seems to be really emotionally disconnected at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that there was any kind of um any kind of interest from his perspective careful Aaron. i know i know i'm like careful. i'm hesitating i'm like i got a i got a, a hardcore shipper here i don't want to upset we we know we see how hardcore these shippers can get yes yes <laughs> we could talk about that later um, but but uh but i do love the one scene where she aims and shoots her target and you know he's so surprised by the fact that she's such a good shot and he's just staring at her and i thought yes that's the moment where he's fallen in love <laughs> <laughs> he fell in love with her marksmanship exactly and her <laughs> that was yeah that was a really good episode i really liked it i don't think there's an episode i didn't like the maybe the one that i thought wasn't great was the one with the the other the like the young bounty hunter kid trying to prove himself right chapter five yeah with um that was directed and written by dave filoni yeah that might have been my least favorite but at the same time i still liked it um mm-hmm. so i think that was maybe and that was like right in the middle of the season right that kind was of. yeah somewhere around the middle yeah and yeah. um I, I i enjoyed it i really loved all the the references and such and um the one thing i just didn't like how fennec shand was killed off that's just the one thing that i'm gonna i still disappointed about yeah i didn't love that i i really thought she was a very interesting cool character and mm-hmm. i wanted to see more of her and then when they they shot her, but then they kind of indicate that maybe she's still alive because they. I would hope they show somebody at the end kind of walk up to her body, and I'm like, okay, why would they show us that mm-hmm. unless there was more? And she's such a big name actress to you know to cast in that role, only to have her you know quickly killed and and not really come back. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. feel like she's a season two reemergence. I would hope, yeah, and I I, I know. There are people who think that that was Moff Gideon. Others think that it's Boba Fett. I don't think it's Boba Fett, and I initially thought it was Moff Gideon, but ever since my friend told me his theory of it being Cad Bane, I would love it for for that to be Cad Bane. Yeah, I'm the same way. So I think um, the fanboy in me who loves Boba Fett was excited for the possibility. Me too. <laughs> I still think that that's such a far-fetched thing for them to do and i i really do think they're trying to shy away from 
from Boba Fett at this point, and maybe there's plans for a movie or something later on, and maybe that's why they're not using that character. Mm-hmm. Because it is obviously a really popular character. As yes. much as people, you know, there's definitely a contingency of people out there that don't like the Fets and are like, oh, Mandalorians are boring, whatever. But I... What did they ever do to you? I know, right? <laughs> but I, I've i always loved that character. You know, I don't care how lame he was in the movies and died from Bob- or from Han Solo, like, accidentally hitting him. But, you know, I think the character is just a really... There's a lot of cool mythology around the Fets and the Mandalorians as a whole and be it legends or whatever, you can tell as they're really fleshing out the Mandalorians, you know, which they did in the Clone Wars and they did it in Rebels. They're they're such a big part of things. And then now you have a whole show that's focused on a Mandalorian character who now has been revealed as he's not blood Mandalorian. Right. He was brought into the Mandalorian culture, which is something that they used to say about the Fets. So I as much as people may want to hate on Boba Fett, this show wouldn't exist without the popularity of Boba Fett. Oh, so true. I mean, the reason why Mandalorians became a thing is because of Boba. So yeah, I, I just find it odd whenever people are like, well, he's not Mandalorian. I'm like, the whole Mandalorian thing came because of him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I will die on this hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you and I are kind of aligned in that thinking, and I think that line that they dropped in the the final episode where they did say that you know what a foundling really was, and they show the the death uh, or what are they called? Not the death, the death watch. Death watch. They show them kind of rescue Din. That's his mm-hmm. name, right? Yeah, Din uh, Jaren. So they they show that, and you're like, oh wow, okay. So he was brought into the culture, and they're really opening up that idea that maybe even though there were some Mandalorians that are you know, kind of true blood Mandalorians who don't accept anyone else. Like um, that guy who said that, you know, oh, Jango Fett's not truly a Mandalorian. He just stole oh, the armor. Omic. Whatever. Yeah. Omic. It's kind of like, okay, maybe there is a, there is some Mandalorians that feel that way, but I don't think that's the general consensus. And obviously now we know that, you know, others have been brought in. So I think it's fully possible that, that it will be revealed that Fett did, you know, is technically a Mandalorian. And, I, you know, I, we've gone on like a huge rabbit trail about Boba Fett now, but <laughs> back to what we were talking about, I did kind of hope that that was Boba Fett. I still think it's unlikely, but there's still like a little part of me that's like, oh, maybe it is. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Cad Bane also- would be tough because I feel like his species would be tough to, yeah. to really portray well, but they, if, if anybody has been doing well with alien species, it's this show. Mm-hmm. Um, with some of the other, like they brought in, even I mean, they had like a lot of the Nikto, and they had, um, uh, the, they had a Zabrak. Oh, they did. That's right. And uh, even Clancy Brown played the Dathomirian in, not Dathomirian, <laughs> uh, Deveronian. Yeah. In the mercenary show, the mercenary mercenary episode. And they did really good with all of those characters, where they didn't look you know, kind of like, oh, that just looks odd, or they they did such a good job with the makeup and prosthetics. Mm. So if any show can pull it off and pull off Cad Bane, but he is such a unique looking character. Yeah. That it's just I don't know how well he'll translate to screen. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see. Um but um speaking of the code that we we were talking about earlier with the helmet and you bringing up the Mandalorian um uh creed uh 
adopting foundlings into the culture. Um, I just wanted to say that it's kind of been there because Sabine and her family, they're from the planet Cronest. And we know that Mandalore used to colonize different planets and incorporate them into their culture. So Sabine herself is not even a blood Mandalorian. She's just part of the culture. And and I know it's still throwing me kind of off the whole not removing the helmet thing, but I'm just choosing to believe that they're all practicing different sets of beliefs. And, you know, Din is, is doing something that's completely different from the other Mandalorians that we've seen. Yeah, they've definitely introduced this idea of different sects of, of Mandalorians that kind of have a different outlook on what their yeah. culture is. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of think that this whole keep the helmet on type of thing is something that maybe a smaller sect of of Mandalorians have been doing for a long time, or maybe it came about after the destruction of, you know, whatever went down with their planet, mm-hmm. um, where like the survivors were kind of like, okay, now we need to kind of survive and, you know, find our, our way in the galaxy. So part of that is, you know, keeping the helmet on and staying like almost this like religious type thing. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's not all Mandalorians that survived that are doing that, but at least this group of them are. And so I don't think it goes against what we already knew about Mandalorians. It's just a new way of their uh, kind of a new twist on their culture because of the events that have happened that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, it changes everything. I'm like, no, it really doesn't. It just like adds to what we already know. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, so Sabine is you know, she's definitely still in the picture at this point. I'm going to say yes, although I'm not sure whether she's out there looking for Ezra still or whether she's already found him and she's back in the picture. I don't know where she is at this point in time, but I do believe that she's alive. Right. Yeah, it would make sense because she's not that much older from the last time we saw her. Um, And I mean, the way that travel works, even in Star Wars, I mean, she could be out there looking for Ezra and then, you know, light speed back to some other place. You know, it's not like, you know, when you go out on some adventure, you're stuck there. Exactly. They can kind of hop around the galaxy pretty quickly. So, And uh, it's funny, too, how the events in this show made me see the epilogue in Rebels differently because then um, I was thinking about, okay, a whole bunch of stuff happened on Mandalore after Bo-Katan took up the Darksaber and I wonder if the reason why she stayed on Lothal is because of what happened on Mandalore and not necessarily just because she thought it would be a good thing to rehabilitate Lothal in a way that she couldn't rehabilitate Mandalore. So I was thinking about how some of the events on the show inform what we saw previously. Yeah, definitely. I hope they release some some stories around kind of what happened or in the season in season two or future seasons of Mandalorian, they give us a little bit more of a backstory. Yes. Because especially how it ended this season with the dark saber in the hands of Moff Gideon. I know. Can you believe that? That's insane, Aaron. (laughs) So I had heard because that's the thing about this show. And that's the thing about anything nowadays is if you don't watch it right away, you're in danger of being spoiled. Oh, gosh, yes. (laughs) And the way this show releases is on the East Coast. Those of us on the East Coast, it literally releases at 3 a.m. here. 
Truth. Which is midnight for people on the West Coast, so it's not as crazy for them. A lot of people stay up till midnight and watch it, and I would. If I could stay up till midnight, I'd watch it at midnight, but I can't stay up till 3 a.m. So by the time I'm waking up the next morning at like 6, 7, whatever a.m., I'm like, I'm not even opening up Twitter because I'm afraid of seeing something. (laughs) But I think with this last episode, they must have sent out screeners. They send out screeners for each one. Okay. Yeah. So some of the people that had seen the screeners were already posting. Now, they weren't posting spoilers, but it was kind of like people like to do the whole let me post something so everybody knows I've seen it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so they think, oh, I'll just post something, but I'll be really you know, ambiguous about what I'm going to say so it's not a spoiler. But then it's kind of still a spoiler because right. they'll say, oh, make sure you watch it as soon as you can so you don't get spoiled or make sure you watch that very final scene is going to shock you. And it's like, okay, you're spoiling me. I don't want to know that the final scene is going to shock me. <laughs> right. And so I saw some of that stuff before I even got to watch it. And so I was thinking, okay, whatever that final scene is, I thought maybe that's going to be – because people are like, oh, it's going to blow your mind. So I'm like, oh, maybe that's the Boba Fett reveal. Because um, I was trying to think of things that would blow my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but at, I was not thinking Darksaber at all. That was nowhere near my brain. <laughs> Um, yeah, fortunately, I have that uh, the ability to see them in advance um, because I record my video soon after that or while, as I'm watching it. Um, and I've, I've only ever made that one comment recently where I said, this is the last reaction video I'm recording. <laughs> and I'm kind of sad or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's pretty much it. I don't really go all out with the kind of comments that other people write. Um, just because, yeah, your reaction, the way you react to something is a spoiler because then you know what to expect in a way. Like, oh, it's a good thing or instead of it being a bad thing. <laughs> or if you know that person well enough. You know, yes, if you know the personality. You know, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or you know what they would like to see and then they're happy. You're like, oh, well, I guess that thing they wanted happened because they seem really <laughs> happy. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I try to avoid it. But sometimes I just can't keep my glee in. <laughs> <laughs> but Darksaber, when that happened, that just really blew me away because it's one of those elements that I just didn't expect. Like, I... When they bring stuff in or they make references to things that were in animation, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't. Sometimes it feels a little like an afterthought. Like so, when they brought in Saul Guerrero into Rogue One, um, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, this this proves that there's a lot of this collaboration." But then, when you really kind of hear the behind the scenes, it was like, "Well, they had this other character developed fully, and then they thought, oh, this kind of seems like Saul Guerrero, so let's just make it Saul Guerrero." Ah, uh, yeah. You know, it wasn't like an intentional you know, thing. It was almost a, kind of an afterthought where they just saw an opportunity to connect the things. Mm-hmm. But with Dave Filoni involved in the show so heavily, I think my mind is opening a little bit more to the possibilities because I don't think we would have seen Darksaber show up in this show if, if Filoni wasn't involved. Right. Yeah, there are things that even though John Favreau wrote the scripts and uh, other people directed them I, I there's a large part of it where i feel like dave was involved with the treatment and how things were going to develop and uh eventually come to fruition at the end and so i think 
that whole dark saber part yeah that there must have been a collaboration between them and just them talking it out and maybe John Favreau saying something along the lines of can I put this in there <laughs> and, and so how <laughs> and then Dave would try to figure out how 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 would they make that happen um and I love thinking about their conversations being like that because they're they're definitely the type to to talk things out and see what's possible. And that dark saber, yeah, that was just like the end of episode one. It was just mind blowing. And I think that with Filoni, you know, being an executive producer on the show, I do think that there's probably opportunity for other, other connections. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that we might see other things that we saw in either Clone Wars or Rebels show up in the Mandalorian where they make sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I know like there's a lot of, um, a lot of speculation around like Bo-Katan eventually showing up or a character like that. I think it'd be crazy if they brought Sabine in. I don't, I'm not going to like make that prediction because I just, I, I'd, I'd be really surprised, Mm -hmm. but it's, you never know. I mean, this show has completely surprised me. Even the fact that they brought in Yoda's species and that the Force is even involved at all is something I never would have thought they would do. Exactly. So. Exactly, Aaron. <laughs> so you never know what they could do. Do you have any kind of like bold predictions on things you think we might see now that we've we've gotten things like Baby Yoda and the Darksaber? Um, yeah. Even the Death Watch showing up was kind of a surprise. I'm thinking at some point we're going to have to see more Mandalorians and definitely Bo-Katan has to be one of them. I, I, I don't want it to be the case where Bo-Katan was killed off screen in order for Gideon to have that dark saber. It'd be really interesting if they found a way to incorporate her, especially bringing Katie Sackhoff in. She's such an amazing actress. She's done shows before, um live action wise so like i would love to see her play that character she's the right age for it they can totally make it happen (laughs) and i would oh my god i would i would scream endlessly um i would love to see them acknowledge you know other characters maybe like fen rao uh being a protector like i'd love for them to touch on some of these bigger mandalorian themes but um just Baby Yoda, um, the whole conversation with the armorer in the season finale where uh, Din has to take the child back to um, its kind. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's, it's there. he's going to have to find Yoda's species somewhere. But the way that conversation was going about i thought it was me it was the the jedi in particular force users being his kind not necessarily yoda's species so it'll be interesting to see if if that's where it's headed where he's going to find other force users hopefully not luke and what he's going and what he's developing (laughs) in in you know the um, with the academy and such, um, just because we know how that ends, and I do not want Baby Yoda to be involved with that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel like they're going to have to touch on, you know, these Mandalorian themes, the Jedi, and the you know other Force sensitive people, and um, hopefully they weave something very interesting for season two. Yeah, I took it the same way you did that they were talking about the Jedi. 
Yes, because they mentioned sorcerers and you have to take it to its kind. So not necessarily, you know, Yoda's kind, uh, but the kind that are force force sensitive people. And they they had referred to the Jedi as being enemy enemies because there had been, you know, conflict between the Mandalorians and Jedi in the past, uh, which I thought was cool. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was awesome. And uh oh man. <laughs> I'm yeah. excited. <laughs> I know. There's there is a lot of possibility. I agree. I, I kinda hope they, they they stay away from kind of what's going on with Luke at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's its own story. And but we know there's other force users out there. Right. And, and it makes yeah. sense. You know, they could either introduce us to new characters that we're not aware of yet. They could they could bring in characters we do know. Ezra. I know. I mean that would be amazing oh if my they God. did that. But I just it's one of those things I just don't like to. It's kind of the same thing with the Boba Fett or Sabine. There's certain elements that I'm just like I don't even want to go there in my head. Right. Because I just feel like it's just not likely. So, you know, maybe they're saving those characters for other stuff, or maybe there's another animated series coming, and so you kind of want to like not get your hopes up exactly but how cool would that be to see ezra in live action oh my god aaron have a heart attack i would i would i would just have to do that you know that life support button thing where i just like (laughs) immediately call for help because i need to be transported um to the hospital to take a look at my heart (laughs) um but yeah oh my gosh what i mean with the new movies in the, the rise of skywalker and kind of how things develop we know we kind of know what happened as far as the jedi go but there's there's got to be some offshoots these other you know force users that were never discovered by luke um that aren't associated to the movies or that ray's not aware of and i think it would be really cool if there were some other things going on where because baby yoda has become such a popular character Mm -hmm. but we also know that you know he's very young in in the sense of his species yeah. And so by the time Ray's doing her thing, I mean, he would still be relatively young character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like if there's that powerful of a Jedi out there, um, it would be kind of weird for there not to be some connection eventually. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I just think there's a lot of opportunity for there to be maybe some other Jedi that are kind of working outside of what we know. Yes. And like Baby Yoda or someone like Ezra and if like connecting those those people so there could be more going on. So then eventually in the future, like I know they're saying we're not getting episodes 10, 11, 12, but like there's got to be a future for like what's Ray, what Ray's doing. And so mm. like connecting those dots eventually somewhere way off in the future. So setting up those potential storylines. Yeah. I just want them to continue thinking outside the box and giving us new and unexpected things. Cause those are, are really, that's where it, it it shines i think yeah definitely so anything else that you wanted to talk about before we transition over to the rise of skywalker no i'm good i'm good with the mandalorian i just i just i'm sad that we have to wait so long for season two (laughs) it coming out in fall but still (laughs) yeah we have to wait like a whole year yeah but i think that once they get rolling with this stuff with disney plus once they get the Kenobi show going and the Cassian show, um, then it won't feel as long of a wait because they'll probably start to space them out 
you know, so one one one's going off the air, the other one would start, that kind of thing. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, that way they're Star Wars all the time. <laughs> so they're rotating across a couple different shows. And I know Kenobi's only supposed to be one season, but I think um, Mandalorian's going to be a multi-season type thing. I don't think that it's going to be just two seasons. I think as popular as it's been, I'm assuming that's going to stick around four or five seasons. I would hope, yeah. That would be great if they can find a way to make the story last that long and for the actors to continue doing it, too. And the great thing with this being so successful is when a project like this is very successful, it tends to green light other projects that are probably already in development. Correct, yeah. So there's probably a, a number of shows that they're working on that they're like, hey, look, this whole TV thing's working. Let's go ahead and move forward with some of these other things. So I think it's probably only a matter of time until, until we get a couple more announcements. I wouldn't even be surprised if they did straight to Disney Plus movies. Oh, that would be awesome. Because they're already doing that for other things. Um, you know, they're making these movies straight to Disney Plus with big name actors. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they said, hey, you know, we don't want to risk this as a theatrical release. But maybe, you know, just throwing it out there. Like Solo, you know, didn't do too well at the box office. But there is kind of this group of people that are kind of ex wanting to Solo 2. I could see them saying, oh, well, we wouldn't do that as a movie in the theaters. But maybe a Disney Plus movie. You know. Yeah, yeah, and so, I think you'd get a, a much larger audience, to be honest. Um, and it's less risk for them. Yes, true. So yeah. I think the the streaming service, has, there's so much possibility for what they could do with Star Wars now. Truth. Yeah. So, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that movie. That movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are, we're not how, too far out from release. We're like a less than two weekends it feels like it's been a year aaron <laughs> just social media wise just um, over 10 days what are we like 12 days out from release i think so we're less than two much. weeks yeah um so i'm assuming you saw it thursday night first night it came out that's true yeah i okay. did see it with a group of friends and my first reaction as me immediately when the credits came on screen i turned to megan my friend and i and i looked at her and i said i loved it <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my son when he saw it <laughs> and then when we were leaving the theater he was like i loved that star wars movie <laughs> oh, good. um i saw it the first night uh i went to one of the 6 p.m showings and immediately after the movie was over I went, I had a friend, a couple friends of mine went with me and one of my friends wanted to go out and get some drinks and some food afterwards. And so we went over and did that. And then I was just like, we were just talking about the movie nonstop, just throwing, mm -hmm. you know, bouncing stuff off each other, trying to remember everything that happened and kind of what we liked, what we didn't like and our theories. And I was like, you know what? There's probably another showing tonight. And it was around 10:30 PM at this point. <laughs> And I checked my app real quick on Fandango, and sure enough, there was a 1045 at the exact same theater we had just come from. And so nice. I was like, I'm going to go back and see it again. He didn't want to stay out that late, so I went by myself. So I saw it twice in the in, on opening night. Nice. But first time, when I left the theater, it was just kind of that overwhelming thought of like, okay, I just saw the final act of this trilogy. And I was really, like, I knew I liked it, but it was just like everything was so in my head that I was trying to kind of figure out how I really felt about it. Mm -hmm. But then after watching it the second time, it kind of fixed all that. 
because I didn't have to worry about what was going to happen or if, you know, Ben Demption or Raylo or <laughs> if, if she was a Skywalker. There's all these things that I just didn't have to worry about anymore. And I was exactly. just like, I can just take it in and enjoy it as a movie. And then after watching it the second time, I was like, okay, I love this movie. So... <laughs> So yeah, I, yeah, I haven't had the fortune of seeing it again, but I I hope to do it on Wednesday with my mom because she hasn't seen it, so I want her to watch it. But I definitely am looking forward to that second viewing because, like you said, you're you don't have those things to worry about. So I know I'm just gonna come out loving it more. <laughs> yeah, and I I had a chance to see it a third time with my son, so I did. I've seen it three times now, and you know every time it kind of gets better, and you can kind of focus on different things. So I'm. I'm kind of like a four or five time person when mm-hmm. a Star Wars movie comes out. The only one that I did more than that was Force Awakens. But the other ones, it's usually around four or five times. So I think I'll try to see it once or twice more. And then Got I'll it. call it done and wait for the uh, digital release. Mm-hmm. So what was like, so right as the movie starts out, you know, we get the crawl and we get the, the Palpatine thing. We already knew Palpatine was coming. It wasn't like a big secret. But I was a little surprised how quickly they just went right into that stuff. They did. And I told my friend that it felt a lot like an episode of Rebels or an episode of Clone Wars where, you know, you have um, the announcer telling you what's happening and it drops you right into the action. And that's the exact same feeling that I got when I watched it. And I thought, oh, man, this is like an animated show episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I and I I definitely would have loved more information. Like, how did this happen? Um, But them just saying that it just is, I was okay with it. Uh, but I would like for it to be fleshed out somehow in a comic or something later on. But for that moment in the theater, I I just went on to the next scene and I was okay with it. Were you hearing like Tom Kane's voice during the, the crawl? Pretty much. The dead speak. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, and, and that just made it all the more amusing to me and more all the more captivating. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It really kind of threw me for a loop how quickly they jumped into the Palpatine stuff, and you know Kylo Kylo meets him right away, and then it's like this whole thing where he's like, "Go kill, go kill Ray," and then Kylo's like, "Okay, I'm gonna go kill Ray," and I'm just <laughs> like, "Whoa, this they're really getting right into this thing." Um, I I didn't mind it, but it was just like kind of threw me for a loop. Even the way like Palpatine, like that whole um, Exegol. Which I, st- I think the planet name is kind of weird. Exegol? Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like know. it. It sounds like a <laughs> type of gasoline or like a medication. <laughs> you know, that's so true. A cough medicine, maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, that way, that whole planet, like the way it was, like the lighting when they were showing Palpatine and all the like strobe lighting around his face, but every time a light would come, it'd be like a different angle. Oh, yeah. I love that. It was so creepy. It was like messing with my head. It really was, and that that the shape of whatever it was that they were on, it reminded me so much of the Mortis arc with that diamond-like shape thing mm-hmm. that the main characters got sucked into, and that's how they got exposed to these three beings and whatnot. Um, it, it it gave me those vibes when uh, when we first went there, and I did like to see. 
that they they did I don't know how much collaboration there was, you know, where they're trying to like figure out what they're doing. Like I know a lot of people were saying, oh, like the world between worlds was implied or mortis connections, things like that. And I was like, I don't know how much of that was like purposeful or how much of it was just accidental. Mm. because they had similar ideas so it kind of you know if you're a fan of everything you kind of put it together in your own head even though maybe it wasn't intended but i did like even just the um like the the glyphs that they used on the blade Mm -hmm. like looked just like the glyphs that you see in some of the sith temples that showed up in rebels yeah and so i was like okay there was at least that connection where like jj or somebody on the production team was like hey like we want to do this like sith language do we already have something established and like somebody was like yeah here here's a library of all the glyphs you can use you know (laughs) because i i recognized him right away yeah and even if it wasn't something that was established for like uh example the um the wayfinders Mm -hmm. like that's completely new and some people were like, well, why didn't they just use Sith holocrons? And I'm like, well, I kind of like the idea that they're expanding some of these mystical objects. You know, I, I as much as I think the Sith holocron would have been really cool because they, you know, they have maps, just like how we saw Kanan accessing the Jedi holocron using some sort of, um, and he was using some sort of map in there. But I, I like the idea, and someone said it was sort of like an old-style GPS. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fun thing about Star Wars is it seems like some of the technology is so archaic, but then yeah. they have so much like they have so much technology that's well past anything that we can do. Mm-hmm. But then they also have stuff that you're like, oh, why didn't you just like pull that up on Google Maps? You know. <laughs> so there, it's kind of cool how there's that dynamic of like old and new all mashed together. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. I thought the way the idea of the Wayfinder was cool. I thought the fact that there was only so many of them and they had to go searching for it. And they were talking about how there was this uh, Jedi hunter, you know, guy yes. who was involved. And then Luke and Lando apparently had some adventure where they were trying to find one. I'm like, okay, I want to read that comic. Me too. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I loved that, you know, all that. That's one thing that I've really enjoyed about um, – you know, all this new Star Wars stuff is they haven't shied away from the mystical side of it. Exactly. And it's funny because that whole Pasana part with the finding the ship down below and the remains of this person. And uh, that all reminded me of um, either the the ship with um, Sifo Dias that uh, Plo Koon had found in a sandstorm or um that ship that uh the d squad found in star wars the clone wars where you know you you see the the bones of someone there and and it's supposed to be jackson i think the uh that old legends character so yeah i I just like those two things came to my mind when i first saw those those scenes yeah definitely very cool the one thing that i thought um the whole blade Thing that they used oh yeah i like the blade the only thing i thought was kind of funny was how they it ended up being part of the you know where she kind of held it up to this to the skyline and yeah. matched it up <laughs> and it pointed her where to go and i was like eh, I, don't, I feel like there would have maybe been a different way they could have found that would which would have made a little bit more sense Right, yeah, because the water is going to erode some of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, like push it away. When did they make that blade? Like the the week before, you know, like <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. Yeah, there's some things, you know, it's just suspension of disbelief. Yeah, you just got to give it a pass. You're like, I would have done it different, but okay, that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was sort of um, like that, uh, oh my gosh, in um, the Indiana Jones movie where he's holding the staff and the, the red light comes down. I forget mm. what it is now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it gave me that vibe. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Which there was a whole Indiana Jones adventure vibe to a lot of the story oh yeah and that's what i also loved about it i mean i'm not a huge fan of the indiana jones movies it's not like i go back and rewatch them over and over again but i did enjoy them and i definitely got that that sense of it while watching this movie yeah even poe like the way he was dressed oh yes with his beautiful forearms exposed yes Yes, and that's yes. another thing. I really loved how Poe, Finn, and Ray were having this adventure together in the first third of the movie. Like that was fantastic to me, and I wish we had gotten that sooner because some of the their interactions was just so spot on with their characters, uh, just their characterizations, and I, I just loved it. I loved every single moment of it. Yeah, I think it. I think it was needed for them to kind of really establish how close those three characters were yeah, for the end of the movie to work. Mm-hmm. Because of if if you had kind of had Ray come back to the resistance at the end, but not really have any close connections with anyone, like Leia had, had passed, and then, you know, she comes back and it's like, okay, well, who's her family now? Right. And so for them to really establish that they had been kind of, these three had been together, and going on these adventures that we didn't necessarily see in that kind of year in between the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they really established that really quickly with their banter. Like when they when she when he comes back with the Falcon all wrecked and <laughs> he's like, It's on the whole fire the whole thing's on fire, you know, and she's kinda like, What'd you do to the Falcon? And he's like, What'd you do to BB eight and that whole interaction? It's not an interaction of people that are strangers. Like this exactly. is an interaction of people that are like really close friends. Yeah, yeah. And also that whole lightsaber and versus the flashlight scene. <laughs> the sound so effect good. when he turned on the, the flashlight. This morning, it was like, oh. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> but yeah, that, that first third of the movie, I know people said it was rush and it was an editing madness, but to be honest, I overlooked it because it was giving me what I had wanted which was to have these three characters interacting and I love The Last Jedi and I love that they each individually had their own stories where they had to grow but uh, I just I they gave me what I wanted and seeing them where they where they are at that point working together it was just so so awesome yeah I know there had been some some of the criticism around this movie is that it kind of went a different direction than maybe The Last Jedi was setting up for. Mm, And that mm. was some of the criticism about The Last Jedi, you know, was that it went a different direction than The Force Awakens (laughs) was setting up for. So I I felt like there was a couple things where it felt like they were backtracking a little bit. I know some people were saying, oh, it's kind of J.J. throwing it in Ryan Johnson's face. I never really got that vibe. No, me neither. But I definitely got a couple of scenes where I was like, okay, he's definitely trying to um, take back, you know, something that happened or, you know, I don't know. It just, there were a couple of scenes that it felt that way. Right. I know some people immediately mentioned the Luke capturing the lightsaber and saying this is a 
tool or something that we respect or something to that effect. Right. That's but, no way to treat a, a Jedi weapon or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and I, I agree what Chris Terrio said. It was a moment of growth. It was it, where Luke was at the last Jedi in the last Jedi. He was in a completely different mental state and he was just not in a mood to do what Ray was asking. And so now given what he did throughout that movie and where he is now, it's, it's obvious and it's an obvious sign of growth. And I liked how it echoed that, but it was just a different way of approaching it. I don't know. I, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. I thought that he grew in, even in the movie, you know, in the last Jedi, when, when he does toss that lightsaber over his shoulder, it is a moment where Luke's in a different place, but, yeah. but then he has the whole thing with Yoda and Yoda's kind of telling, cause Luke was saying, Hey, the Jedi need to end. And all throughout the movie, but that wasn't where the the movie ended. You know, the movie didn't end where they were trying to set up for the Jedi to not be a thing anymore. Mm -hmm. um, Yoda basically tells Luke, "No, you're wrong," um, and Luke does eventually get out into the battle. You know, where he goes to create, you know, as a projection to help, you know, the future. Exactly. And and then he says, "I will not be the last Jedi," which he's referring to Rey. So I thought it went well, you know, because by the time he's a force ghost and and she throws the lightsaber, he's kind of like, no, like I learned where I was wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and now he's, you know, conveying that to her because now she's in a very similar place that he was in um, at that time. So I thought, yeah, it, and that it was her sense. intention too. She had, she had burned that ship with the intention of staying there just like Luke. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Oh, so good. <laughs> I did think that the X-Wing, um, Pulling, oh, that was that was odd. <laughs> pulling the X-wing out of the water, I thought was a little bit more against kind of what the Last Jedi was doing because even in the in the guide for the Last Jedi, the dictionary or whatever, uh, the visual guide that Pablo Hidalgo writes, they had said in in some of the production notes, and I think it was even the Art of book, they had kind of mentioned that the the fact that the they had shown the the X-wing under the water. And there were actually parts of the X-Wing that Luke used for his shelter. Yeah. Like the door of his shelter was like yeah. part of it. So, it, And I forget who it was that said it. it was like, yeah, I know some people thought that Luke was going to kind of pull that thing out of the water. Even if he did, he wouldn't be able to fly it because he took it all apart. Right. And so the fact that they, in the next movie, he pulls it out of the water or she pulls it. Did he do it or did she do he it? He did it. He, he did, did it. it. Yeah. So he pulls it out of the water and then she flies it away. So I was like, okay, that definitely goes against kind of what the intention was yeah i would have much preferred had it come out all um decrepit and whatnot and she would have to take the door and, and you know it. make the fix it yeah. up just like how she's fixed up things in the past or taking things apart for selling and such so it would have been much better had they highlighted that skill of hers yeah i mean yeah. as a fan of of you know luke and the x-wing and red five and all that stuff selfishly i was happy that they kind of went back on that because it was so mm -hmm. cool to see that ship in action in the new trilogy and to see ray kind of take up that mantle as red five that was just a really cool moment for me as a fan so i was mm -hmm. kind of like okay i don't care that they kind of went against what was established already yeah yeah and i'm sure they'll find a way to make it work anyway <laughs> yeah right they i'm sure they'll they'll explain it in something yeah yeah and um I'm trying to think of what other cool things happened. <laughs> There's so much. I mean, there, I mean, Ben slash Kylo, his journey through this entire trilogy has been very interesting. 
and caused a lot of controversy mm. with kind of what the the way they decided to go with it. I know me and you have talked about kind of sh- the shipping stuff in Raylo and I think in our last episode we were kind of talking like, oh man, I wonder what's going to happen if it doesn't, you know, if Raylo doesn't happen or if Ben Den- Ben Demption doesn't happen, what's the reaction going to be? Yeah. So, yeah, I knew it was going to be very vocal. <laughs> well, as I was watching the movie, Honestly, I thought they the people that were really on the side of Raylo, I thought were going to be happy. You know what? No. No, honestly. You didn't think that? I thought <laughs> um, they were. Because I cuz I used to be a Raylo. <laughs> okay. So you know how they think. So I so I know. <laughs> oh no, that's not true. I mean Was it have... just the miss, the fact that he died? Was that the big like if if everything had happened the same but he had survived, do you think it would have changed everything? It would have changed everything. Okay. Yeah, they would have they would have been satisfied with him being alive because the whole redemption thing was that they wanted him to survive and be reunited with Leia and uh or apologize to her and end up happily with ray because they both understood each other they had they were they were destined for each other they were you know lovers across stars or whatever but uh yeah the fact that he died you know it reinforced the whole you have to die um to be redeemed thing that we saw in return of the jedi and everyone was hoping that it would be a twist on it and give you something that was unexpected, which was for him to survive. And so, yeah, that's the thing that really upset people. And the fact that he just didn't have much to say, he didn't say a lot, but honestly, his, uh, his actions spoke louder um, to me. I'm I'm just, just a little owl that he did at the end (laughs) was enough for me to be honest, to change my perspective on him. Because the the whole scene with him seeing Han, I thought that was I thought it was a beautifully done, and how that would have been what that's what he wanted to happen back in the Force Awakens. But unfortunately, you know, given his influences, he he went the opposite way. So it, it kind of changed. I like how they touched on that and showed what would have happened had he not been influenced the way that he had been i thought the the han solo scene was the biggest surprise for me yeah i didn't expect to see harrison ford in this movie and then when you hear him say um how does he say like hey kid or something like that you just hear that voice and you're like oh my gosh like did they get harrison ford (laughs) to come back (laughs) and they show him and it was like I, i was i loved it i couldn't believe he was there and that whole interaction between the two characters, I thought was perfect. Yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. And him tossing the saber into the water, that was great too. Um, yeah, I think they just expected more. They had they had written a sort of narrative in their heads as to how things should have gone based on The Last Jedi. And, and that's dangerous. That's dangerous for any fan to yep. do with any franchise, with anything, to have a certain image in your head and if it doesn't live up to that expectation it's 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 going to hurt (laughs) i think i had made the same mistake going into the last jedi because i had a narrative in my head for luke skywalker yes and they they went a completely different direction and you know it did it didn't ruin the movie for me it it definitely ruined my first viewing of the movie (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and i've come to grips with it and it's my least favorite of the trilogy and it's it's it falls somewhat low on my overall list of all the saga movies, probably because of that. 
But at the same time, I accept that, you know, accept that that's the story that they decided to tell me and, and kind of moved on from it and was like, okay, well, let's see what the next movie does. And I, I enjoyed what the next movie did. So in the end, it was kind of like, I did, I think I did myself a disservice going into the last Jedi with a certain expectation of like where this, where I think the story should go, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like some people did that with the rise of Skywalker specifically around the character of, of Ben Solo. Which is which is ironic, really, because a lot of the people who defended the Last Jedi are now in that mm-hmm. position of disliking the Rise of Skywalker, where a lot of people who li- disliked the Last Jedi are now in the other side, where they kind of like the Rise of Skywalker. So it's interesting to see the tables turning, <laughs> um, and. Uh, yeah, I just I, I honestly thought that Ben was going to become Ben again, and I was happy about that. And I, yeah, it would have been a much refreshing take for him to survive, but I was okay with him sacrificing himself because Kanan did it before, um, Luke did it before, Leia did it in this movie. So uh, you know, sacrificing yourself for that one person. Um, is a very Jedi thing to do. And I I felt like he went back to what he should have been, who he should have been. And I, I, I appreciated that message and I know a lot of people didn't, but I I loved it. (laughs) Well, he's such a tragic character. It's tragic for sure. When you rewatch, you know, I, I, I'm sure you probably did this too, but, I went back and rewatched The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, you know, pretty soon before going to see The Rise of Skywalker. And when you watch The Force Awakens, you know, he's not a very likable character at all. No. You know, he's no, completely, no. you know, kind of spoiled bratty, throwing temper tantrums, and you're kind of like, I just don't like this guy. And Last Jedi, they tried to have, you know, they did a little bit more with his character where you have the connection with Ray and you're starting to see the potential where, okay, there's a part of him that's still wanting to be good. But then at the end of that movie, you even start to be like, Oh, his motivations were just completely wrong. Exactly. He was just trying to trick her. And so I never got that feeling of like, okay, it's this definite redemption story. Now I kind of came to, I came to the, you know, understanding before the rise of Skywalker came out, you kind of started to feel like, okay, this is a redemption story. And so I kind of went into the rise of Skywalker expecting that redemption, but I was really curious about how they were going to make convince me. Right. Because of where the character left off. And like, will there be enough that happens where I really feel like this redemption is earned? Um, And I, I still have a hard time with it to an extent because he, he did seem so bad in the other two movies. And in this movie, they do get him to a place where I think it was that conversation that he has with Han Solo, where I start to, I almost had to separate it as two different people where it was like, there's this Kylo Ren character that is just this horrible guy who was really manipulative to Ray and is just a bad person. Yeah, it, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Um, it, it it is that he's bad, but it's more that he's selfish. He's a selfish person, and that's where you know the point where he becomes a selfless person 
is the point where I thought, oh my gosh, this is Star Wars. He's actually taking the right path, the path of being selfless. And, um, and that's the part where I'm okay with, even though it ultimately ends with him dying. Yeah. I think I still, by the end of it, I was okay with where the story went. I, I, I'm just so sad that that character was so bad for so long. Mm, because mm-hmm. when he does kind of make that turn and then he shows up on Exegol and he's like, it is, it's like, he's a different character. It's almost like how Anakin is different from Vader where when you're watching Anakin in the clone wars and you're like, this dude is so cool. Like, I just want to root for this guy, but you also know what he's going to end up doing mm-hmm. and kind of like Kylo Ren's a little bit in the reverse. Whereas you only knew him as bad, but then when you see the potential of what he could have been as a good guy, and like he shows up and he fights against the the Knights of Ren and he's got this like really kind of cool bravado about him and you're like oh man like this is this guy's awesome like right <laughs> I want him to be a cool Jedi that I get to see more of but at the same time you're like this is the same dude that like ordered the deaths of like this entire innocent village and killed Laura Santeca in cold blood and you're just kind of re you're remembering all these horrible things that he's done and you're like oh man I I can't I have to see them as two different characters. I can't accept that the same guy did both things, you know? <laughs> well, if let's say if I, and this is just for the sake of argument, but, um, but let's say, uh, Vader had lived for, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and he became, um, a, an individual in which, you know, he was no longer killing people the way that he was or being that person that he was. Um, would you, still see him as a different person than Anakin because he is Anakin. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's a, I think because the fact that they didn't do that to me, they, yeah. you know, they, <laughs> you know, cause Vader was such a horrible person. Um, even when Anakin went bad in the prequels, I was so mad. at him. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but at the same time, you're like, he walks into the temple and this little boy looks up to him as like this leader of the Jedi and is like with hope, like, Hey, you know, master Anakin, you know, he's looking at this as his savior. And then he cuts him down and kills like these innocent children. Right. It's hard. It's yeah. Hard it's like, to... okay. At that point this. you're dead to me. You know, like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, not yeah. cool with you anymore. And, and then, yeah, sure. He does the redemption thing at the end, but then he dies, which I felt like was the only thing that they could have done with that character. Cause I don't know that people would have accepted him kind of coming back and being a part of the, no, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I for sure, if he had survived, he definitely would have had to answer for what he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how that would have looked like, but um, I, I know people have been using the term restorative justice and making sure that you rehabilitate the, the person uh, so that they're a functional member of society and such. But, um, yeah, there would have been serious things for him to face, serious consequences for him to face afterward. It would not have been that happy ending that people were looking for. Um, so, oh, and I know people were like, well, if if Poe and Finn and Chewie accepted Hux as being the spy and um, helping them and whatnot, then they definitely would have accepted what's his name um ben <laughs> and i'm like well n- not necessarily then they just accepted the fact that he was a spy but then hux would also have to answer for all the stuff that he's done if he decided to join them which he wasn't he was just interested in 
not getting in in what's it um kicking Kylo beneath the belt you know mm-hmm. yeah. and so I I just thought that it's not something you can equal both of them would have to answer for what they've done and um Hux more so for destroying the Republic homeworld so <laughs> the new Republic homeworld so yeah it's just these characters uh they definitely would have to serve some kind of sentence yeah, that's it would have been interesting to see um if he had survived. And I I wasn't necessarily against it. Like if he had survived, I think I still would have been fine with the movie. Um but yeah, it uh, it would have it would have introduced some interesting discussion points for sure. Like people would be talking about it, I'm sure. Oh yeah. About, yeah. Like oh, what happens <laughs> now or um you know, we accepted Callus kind of turning good and he had done some bad things. Oh yeah, for sure. Know, and stuff. he was and he was, you know, um, contributing to the rebel cause because they didn't have a choice. They were, they were, they were so desperate that they included him in there at this point in time where, where theoretically, if he had, if Ben had survived, they're not as desperate anymore. They can take the time to actually see what these people have done. Right. So I, I feel like they're completely different situations in terms of, how, th- how desperate they are. The, I think the, they're the they're very point. different. I don't think it's a one-to-one where if people could use that as an example. Right. Because um, even Callus, I think that they they kind of almost retconned a little bit on how involved he was in some of the, the more nasty things that the Empire was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think when you have someone with the power that someone like Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo has... It's a little bit different than just like a officer, you know, it's not like a defecting officer. This is like the guy, this is the leader. He was the supreme leader, um, leader of the, the first <laughs> order. It's not like you just got some random officer to defect. So, so it, it is a bit, a bit of a different story, but I will say the one thing I didn't like, and this maybe would be controversial or people would completely disagree with me, but I didn't like the fact that they kissed. Oh no, I didn't like it either. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I would have much preferred a hug um, or something or just them just appreciating the fact that they're there together. <laughs> yeah, I thought they did such a good job with there was always this connection between the two characters, especially once The Last Jedi kind of did what it did. And you felt this connection. And then they started doing in even in the Rise of Skywalker, they started doing those scenes where they could see each other, even if they're not in the same place. Mm-hmm. And then they they started to figure out that they could actually physically take things from each other, which was interesting. Um, so there's definitely this connection. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, when you know she ends up saving him at, on the on the ship when they battled in the in the water and stuff, she ends up saving him. And then at the end, he ends up saving her. And I thought it was like this beautiful connection that they had that was enough. I didn't, and then when they did the kiss, it almost felt like it kind of, it was almost this eye roll moment for me. Me too. And I'm like, oh, really? Like we had to do the, like, it was almost like this unspoken connection that they didn't need to to seal it with a kiss. To, exactly. For lack of a better phrase. I don't know. I kind of rolled my eyes at that part. Um, my son, when he watched it, was like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> but he's funny. seven, so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I did the same, but I'm I'm 33. <laughs> Inside your head, or did you out loud say? <laughs> no, in my head. But... 
but yeah, um, I, I would have much preferred something else. Um, but uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on too, the whole Palpatine thing, her being Palpatine. Oh yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was a big surprise to me. Same. I didn't love it, but at the same time, it kind of was like, okay, well, they brought him back. Um, why not have something that connects the the story a little bit more? I was fine with it. It wasn't something that I was like hoping for, or like I didn't cheer when they said that. It was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't into it at all either, um, because it it would have been cooler for that for Ray to be just just a random force user who has this incredible connection to the force and that's what Palpatine because Palpatine we know had the ability to see things in the future and then use that you know voodoo magic that he does Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I could have I could have seen them explain it that way she I didn't think that she needed to be related to him for for that all that stuff to happen but I, I I instead tried to find a different angle to appreciate whatever what they were trying to tell me, and I I like the message of her fighting her lineage and trying to trying to choose a different identity for herself. Like she doesn't have to be defined by who she's related to. She can choose her own identity, her own person, and I, I really liked that about that um that whole palpatine thing because as we know kylo was someone who believed that his whole persona his whole, everything that was about him was defined by vader and his lineage um dating back to vader so it, it was nice for her to fight that and not have it define her and i thought it made sense to the more I thought about it, because after I saw the movie, I was like, oh, that was kind of pointless. Like, she could have not been a Palpatine, and the movie could have been the same. Mm-hmm. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, she once she r- realizes that she's a Palpatine, she starts to really fear the darkness inside of her. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I think that that was a, a big enough reason for it to, to have been in there. Um, because I don't know that she would have feared it as much if she was just, oh, okay, I just am a Force user. But once she found out that she was a Palpatine, it was almost like, oh, like I have this potential for evil now that is way stronger than I expected. And now I need to stop. You know, I'm going to go and be like Luke and kind of hang out on Octo and throw away my lightsaber. Like I'm too dangerous to be out there. Yeah. And I don't know if she would have had that same reaction without the Palpatine part. See, this is why it's so nice to talk things out with other people. (laughs) Because I didn't see it that way and actually kind of like the idea now. Yeah, so I thought um, the the idea of her then adopting the Skywalker name at the end, Mm -hmm. I I really liked that. Oh, I love that. I'm, you know, obviously a big fan of Luke Skywalker, and I had kind of hoped at the very beginning when the force awakens first came out, I was kind of thinking, Oh, Ray, like she's going to be a Skywalker. And I know a lot of people assumed that at the beginning and then they quickly like dashed those assumptions. But by the end where she still ends up being Ray Skywalker, but in a completely different way than I or most people expected. Um, I really appreciated that. I thought it was a cool and it makes sense for the title of the movie too. Um, for her, for that rise of Skywalker. So 
uh, once again, kind of like a selfish appreciation of it where I was kind of rooting for Ray Skywalker and I got my Ray Skywalker. (laughs) Um, I thought it was cool. Yeah, I really love the whole found family theme and choosing who your family is in Star Wars. Like even in The Mandalorian with him being part of this tribe, that's his choice. And um, just the ghost crew and rebels, that's who they, that's who, that's their family. And, and Ray choosing to be a Skywalker. Like I, I love how we keep seeing this theme popping up in star wars yeah definitely and it is very powerful um you know i have my i have some friends that you know they adopt children and they've adopted like three or four children now Mm. and just the idea of um you know these kids being able to be as much a part of that family as as the because they have a child who's also blood you know relative you know they're they're a biological child Mm-hmm. So, but they treat all of those kids exactly the same. It doesn't matter if you're the biological child or your adopted child. Exactly. And I think that that's such a powerful message for people that are adopted into families that they're as much, quote unquote, a Skywalker as as anybody would have been. You know, if Luke mm-hmm. had had his own daughter. Um, and I thought that was really powerful at the end to to show Ray seeing those specific two people as the force ghosts that show up to her at the end on Tatooine is Luke and Leia almost in a way is that's her adopted, you know, family or her mentors, her parents, whatever you want to call it. That's who she got to choose um, yeah. to be a part of and take that name. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was reading an article from 1138 earlier where it was, um, it was sort of like them giving them, get them giving her their approval and i and i didn't even think about it that way like that's awesome you know to have uh to to give her the approval of of her choosing that name and and them being part of that process i i just it was just it's so beautiful i love it (laughs) (laughs) she got her own lightsaber which was unique uh that you know she built it out of it looked like it at least looked reminiscent of her staff i don't know if she actually used parts from her staff but she had the cool yellow blade, which was nice. Yeah, I thought it was orange at first, but it was confirmed that it was that it's yellow. Yeah. Maybe your theater had like a weird tint on the screen. It did. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna say that it did. Um, also, Finn being a force sensitive individual, what you think of that? I think that's great. I Me really do. I think it makes sense throughout the whole thing. The idea of even the title at the beginning, you know, the title of the first movie, The Force Awakens. You know, that it, it wasn't just Ray that the Force, you know, kind of awakened in, but, you know, almost more so, it was Finn. Mm. Because I think Ray already kind of, you know, had these powers and, like, you know, now we know it's in her blood type thing. But I feel like Ray or Finn was really, like, you know, he kind of was awakening in the Force. And even throughout the entire trilogy, he's just coming to, it feels like, at least in the third movie, where it's like he is now fully realized that hey, I have this this power, and he wants to tell Ray. Yeah, he hasn't had the opportunity to tell her yet, but he's not out there like moving rocks and like you know doing kind of crazy Jedi stuff yet. He's just like he's just making this connection, which I thought was so cool. And we got to see him wield a lightsaber in the first movie, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember this was a conversation I had. I don't remember with who. But I don't know if you remember one of the first posters that they released. They show him holding a lightsaber. Yes. 
and people were like, oh, does that mean he's a force user? And, and I remember somebody asked me, like, do you think he's a force user? And I was like, yeah, like, of course, they're not going to have somebody holding a lightsaber in a poster for the movie unless he's a force <laughs> user. And then we quickly find out he's not. And but by, by the third movie, he is. So I'm like, ah, see, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> love it yeah i honestly can't wait for my mom to see it because she's gonna flip <laughs> she hasn't seen the movie yet no i'm what? hoping to, I'm, going, I'm hoping to see it on new year's day with her what is she doing on twitter i saw her liking some of my stuff i know and i'm like ma you need to get off twitter she has That's to have just... seen and heard stuff by now. oh i'm sure but i think her experiencing experiencing in the theater will well, you know, solidify a few things for her in, in a different way than yeah. seeing it on Twitter. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so I I think it's cool that he is. Um, and then, you know, you have, you know, people are talking about, oh, this movie takes away from the idea that you, anyone could be a Jedi or anyone could be a Force user because they're saying that Rey's a Palpatine. I'm like, what? but what about Finn? You know, mm-hmm. I don't think he comes from, a, maybe, but I don't think that he comes from a jedi lineage so i think they are establishing that anyone could be a, a force user yeah that character. yeah for sure i wish they had done a little bit more as far as solidifying that's what he wanted to tell ray yes yeah because it, it, it came across as like is he trying to tell her that he loves her is that what's happening right yeah they never kind of closed the door on that and it was such a big point that she, he was like, Ray, I want to tell you something. And then Poe jokes about it a couple of times. And so it wasn't like just a throwaway line. Like they brought it up like two or three times in the movie. And so then the fact that they never really solidified what he was trying to tell her, it kind of does a little bit of a disservice because yeah, some people could have interpreted that as him having feelings for her, which I don't think was the intention. And so it really doesn't give the right message. Right. I think the one scene that really, like, at least made it more clear for me was when he sensed her dying or dead, like she was dead at that point. It felt very Luke and Leia in the Empire Strikes Back with uh, Leia and Luke sensing each other in in Cloud City. So, uh, yeah. That's the vibe that I got when when he like stops all of a sudden and he senses that. I was like, oh man, so he's force sensitive. <laughs> yeah, that was the confirmation I think that he was yes, force sensitive. That's true. Yeah, yeah. But then but, but I started not, thinking back. Yeah. But not him. What he was going to tell her, you know. That's, yeah. That that was kind of left hanging. And I do think Finn has a thing for Ray. I just oh, don't yeah, think he no was going to, I don't think there was going to be this moment of like, oh, uh, you know, before we die, I want to tell you my, I have feelings for you. I don't, that was never the intention, but I think some people could have read it that way. Um, but I think they have a great friendship and there's probably some attraction there for him. It seems like it was kind of implied even in The Force Awakens, but I'm glad once again that they didn't go that direction where they kind of solidified anything between those two characters, even you know, like I was wishing they wouldn't do with Kylo as well mm, and just mm-hmm. kind of left it open for like, okay, let's see, let's see what the future holds um, for these characters. Right. Right. I will say that I'm, I'm even though the people who loved Ray and Kylo got that, that moment, um, I'm happy for them. And I'm, 
but I also feel sorry for them because they really wanted something that's the Jedi, the last Jedi was telling them that the story was going to go. And, and I know a lot of people, you know, close friends who, um, who aren't in the same boat with me. And it's so strange to be on the other side saying, I love this movie and then being depressed about it. And it's, it's just, I feel for them because I've been there before several times. <laughs> um, but um, have you been yeah. there with star Wars before or just other things? Oh, just other things, not necessarily yeah. with Star Wars. Um, um, you know, unless I count Sabine and Ezra not ending up together. <laughs> hey, still could happen. It still could happen. Yes. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I totally understand their side. That's that's what I'm trying to get at, and I hope I'm. I haven't in in this conversation. I hope I haven't um, made them feel like their feelings aren't valid, but they are. Yeah, it it it's it is it's been surprising to me to see the reaction on Twitter. I guess maybe I just wasn't as in tune with kind of what the expectations were for mm. for Ray, quote unquote Raylo. I thought that you know what happened in the movie would have kind of been what they would have wanted. I I didn't expect that the the next step for him to not only be redeemed, not only to confirm that you know them two were into each other with the kiss. But then also to get that third step of like him surviving, right? I, I didn't realize that that was kind of needed that the, to in order for them to kind of feel happy about it. Yeah, yeah, they definitely wanted a, a different take on the whole redemption path, and definitely not ending it with him dying, but surviving and atoning for his sins because that's another thing they're they're they just don't want them to just have a happy ending but he also they also wanted him to atone for what he's done but ultimately you know be with ray in the end right yeah i hope that it doesn't you know i don't i never want to see any star wars fan especially friends of mine feel so alienated because of what happens in a story so i hope that enough time can pass that People can kind of come to grips with, you know, what the story ended up being and be able to kind of, you know, accept that and kind of move on. Like you and Revenge of the Sith. With like me and The Last Jedi. Oh, no, the uh, Revenge of the Sith because you were so angry at Anakin. Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's the thing with Star Wars across all the movies and the TV shows and all of this stuff is there's a difference between, you know, getting the story that you would have done versus accepting the story that was told to you. Mm-hmm. And like, even like I'm old enough and you, I mean, I think you're old enough too. You grew up with the prequels mm-hmm. and I went to the, to see the Phantom Menace when I was 19 and Aww. <laughs> yeah. And I was old. I was kind of like out of that. I was old enough where I wasn't into all the like, jar jar stuff and like kind of the stuff that was aimed at the younger audiences and i remember going into that movie with the all the expectation in the world because you're coming from the last star wars movie came out in 1983 right yeah and i was three years old when when return of the jedi came out so i didn't have any like i didn't get to go see those movies in the theater the the original trilogy Mm -hmm. and I was kind of already past the target age for the prequels. And so when I went in to see the, when I went in to see the Phantom Menace, I had all this stuff built up in my head, what it was going to be. And 
it wasn't at all <laughs> what I expected <laughs> it to be. I wasn't expecting like a Jar Jar Binks kind of character. I wasn't expecting Anakin, young Anakin and all that stuff. And people love that movie. You know, I think you love that movie, right? I love that yeah. movie. <laughs> people love The Phantom Menace. It is my least favorite Star Wars movie. No, Aaron. But I accept it. I love Obi-Wan Kenobi. I love Qui-Gon Jinn. I love Darth Maul. I love all of the things that that movie created yes. that then spun out into other stories. I love, you know, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi is my probably my favorite character across all the movies. Nice. You know, and so finding the good even in the movie that is my least favorite and that's what i think i would hope that anyone can do with all of these movies including the rise of skywalker is maybe the story didn't go quite the way you were hoping maybe it went completely different than you were hoping and it really devastated you but finding those elements that you do like and kind of grasping onto those and being able to move forward as a fan is kind of what i hope anyone would have that ability to do yeah well said so, but I don't know. It's been pretty crazy on Twitter. So I don't know if some of these people are going to be able to do that. <laughs> imagine the prequels during social media. Oh, and I was thinking about that. I was like, could you imagine even like, it's funny. Cause I was thinking about like something as, as old as like Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah. Like the novels, not the, not the movies. Oh, got it. <laughs> but like we all accept the story because we are all too young to, we weren't around when those, those books were written. So it's just like they, they are what they are. You know, mm -hmm. and we accept Lord of the Rings exactly how it is. But, like, imagine if Lord of the Rings came out now. Oh, yeah. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, it came <laughs> yeah. out as a tri movie trilogy. And it's the first, you know, no one had ever seen it before. And the first movie comes out and the second movie. Could you just imagine, like, all of the speculation and all the back and forth and the fans and which characters they want to hook up with what characters and <laughs> all the shipping and... It would it would ruin those movies probably. Like, they they... I don't know. Like, I just feel like sometimes the fans take a little bit too much ownership oh of yeah the story that's a good point yeah and try and and don't just kind of accept it as like hey this is a story that we're being given you know someone's giving this to us and we're taking it as a story it's not something we're writing you know mm -hmm. and i try to remind myself that because we can get so involved and so attached to these characters and these stories and what we want to happen but we're ultimately we're not the authors no that's true and it's and actually just you just reminded me of the fact that Kanan's voice showed up oh, in, yes. in this movie. Think about happy thoughts. Yeah, I know. Happy thoughts. Um, that, I cried. I cried, Aaron, when I heard his voice. I love, I mean, you know how much I love Kanan. I didn't recognize his voice right away. Really? No, I didn't. Like, there were so many voices happening. And I, by the way, that moment in the movie, I absolutely loved. Oh, it was so good. Where oh. she was kind of, you know, you know, kind of went into that space wherever it was mm -hmm. and all these jedi are talking to her and they're like ray get up or were they saying like get up ray uh rise rise ray and, yeah and like all the different voices and you recognize you know you you recognize obi-wan kenobi you recognize qui-gon jinn mace windu is in there i love mace windu a lot of people don't but <laughs> um and i heard all these different voices and i heard ahsoka clearly but i, I did guess not. I because didn't. of all the different male voices um, I just missed Kanan. I, I didn't I didn't differentiate his his voice from the other male voices that were in there, but I did catch Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah. His 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 stood out to me because Freddie Prince Jr.'s voice is just amazing to me. But 
<laughs> but him saying, um, in the heart of the Jedi lies her strength. I thought, oh my God, of course he gets the most beautiful line to say. And, uh, oh, that's what he, he was, said. Yes. That's what he wow, said. That's so cool. Cause even on yeah. my third view and I was trying to pick out what his line was and I, I guess I'm just not that good at, at differentiating male voices maybe. Mm, yeah there were a lot of guys in there <laughs> it was funny though because i was looking through the list of everyone that that spoke and it was great to hear all the the names but then there were some that i was like like adi galia yeah. was in there and i was kind of like okay but she really was never kind of a big deal i don't know that she ever spoke a line in the movies did she no, she was just mainly in Star Wars The Clone Wars before she yeah. unfortunately was killed off there. I think they were just trying to find a good mix of women and men. Yeah. And they just had to work with what they had because um, unfortunately they didn't flesh out a lot of women. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's that's kind of that's probably exactly you're probably exactly right there that they yeah. wanted there to be a good mix. But that was kind of showing um, that maybe they didn't do a great job of establishing some more Jedi women. In yeah, the, spe yeah. specifically in the the movies themselves because i think they did a better job in the animated series mm. um, but, but uh, not everyone watched that stuff exactly so yeah so kanan's line was perfect and um and of course ezra didn't show up there which i was relieved about <laughs> but uh but still there were people who were like oh i think i heard him there and you know taylor did record something and and i was choosing to ignore everyone because i didn't want to <laughs> believe that my my blueberry was dead somewhere <laughs> did they um, so did he was he in the additional voices uh, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. Uh, apparently, he did record. I'm not. Uh, I don't really know for sure, but uh, I don't know where his voice might have shown up. It definitely wasn't in the Jedi Pass section, but um, but just the what you were talking about in terms of ownership and and how fans react to certain things, like uh, just my reaction to him possibly being there. I felt very possessive, and I thought, no, this can't be. <laughs> Um, and then I had to remind myself ultimately what was his last lesson from Kanan and it was to let go. And so I, you know, I, I had to train myself to think of not having this ownership over this character. And I feel like a lot of fans hold that ownership, like that possess possessiveness, which is what Star Wars teaches us not to have. <laughs> right. No attachments, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard, though. I mean, we, it is. It's very hard. We all oh have our gosh. favorite characters. We all kind of have our perfect path that we want to see them on. And, you know, even when, you know, Kanan was by far my favorite character in Rebels and probably top three favorite character in all of Star Wars. And, you know, when he died, it was that was a hard thing for me to watch. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of like, hey, that's, you know, this is. And I, I, I thought they did it well. So I accepted it readily because you kind of, you kind of knew it was coming. Right. But you know, yeah, you, anytime a, a character that you have invested that much into it, you know, is taken away and, and I could totally see that if it's done in a way that you don't like, you know, then it makes it even harder. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it is tough. But yeah, I guess that's a good lesson to end on. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I'll say, because we there's some characters we didn't talk about. Um, uh, what was oh, the, Zori. Zori. We didn't talk about Janna. Um, oh yeah, Janna. Oh my god. I mean, there's too much. There's too much probably for us to talk about. 
um, in detail all those characters, but maybe like a quick, you know, speed round. You know, yeah. what do you think? Oh, Zori was awesome, and I mentioned in elsewhere. I, I I loved her Sabine vibes. Like she totally had a Sabine vibe to me. I loved her interactions with Poe, especially at the very end where he's like giving her a suggestive <laughs> look, and she's just not. Uh, she just shakes her head or just looks away, and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was a great. And that's such a like Oscar Isaac is such a good actor. Yes. Um, and that we've been blessed with. The, the actors that are in this trilogy. Like so Adam Driver and Oscar Isaac are two of the best actors in Hollywood right now. Oh, yeah. And they're both in these movies. It's just really cool to see and see them really flex their, their acting skills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Babu Frank was awesome. <laughs> I <laughs> liked him, yeah. And it goes back to the whole puppet thing that we mentioned earlier. Yes, it yeah, because he is very much uh, a puppet. But I really like... Babu Frick, uh, Dio, I liked. I, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about Dio. Dio was adorable. Um, I like the, the fact that he actually had like a regular voice and not yeah! just like beeps and boops. And that, <laughs> that was unexpected. So when he started talking and then when, when Ray goes to, you know, kind of touch him at the beginning, he's like, no, thank you. And he kind no, of backs up. <laughs> I really liked that. Just like that personality was very unique. So <laughs> yeah, I was, I was on board with the, the two cute characters. Yes. <laughs> um, and Jana was very interesting in terms of her being an ex uh, First Order trooper. She had been kidnapped. I wish they had made it more clear that she and Lando had a connection in terms of what was described in the visual dictionary, where Lando mentioned how the First Order had stolen a lot of the people who had been on the front lines in the rebellion. They had stolen their children. And so you get the impression that he and Jana somehow connected because of what happened, and his own daughter had been kidnapped. So uh, I, I, I liked that connection, but I, I'm sad that it, it wasn't made more explicit in the movie. So do you think that she's not his daughter then? No, I do. I do. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. The way you said that made me – I was thinking – I was interpreting that as they they had a connection because he had lost a daughter and then she had been taken. So oh, was... no, no. I meant like like a familiar connection. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think if that's the case, they definitely should have done a better job of it in the movie. Mm-hmm. I did read – the same thing that you read in the visual dictionary and even the years, cause they kind of put a year on it. Oh yeah. Um, in there. And it really lines up perfectly that she is his daughter. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't think I would have gotten that without reading the visual dictionary. So I think that if I wouldn't have picked up on it, then most of the audiences probably wouldn't have picked up on that. So True. they should have, if they wanted people to know that they should have put it out there. You know, in a little bit more obviously, or maybe there's a cut scene or something that that that's that we'll see later. Right. But I liked her as a character a lot. Oh yeah, she was awesome, and I love that she was partnered up with Finn, and and they have this common thing where uh, they had been forced to follow the First Order's direction directive, and they decided to go against it. Yeah, yeah, it was that was an unexpected kind of twist that 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 whole group of the of those people were all you know former stormtroopers and mm-hmm. and you could see even kind of how excited finn was you know once she kind of revealed that he yeah. stopped he was fixing the ship when she was talking to him and then he just kind of stops everything he's doing and hops up and 
you know, they start talking and to have that kind of connection. And for him to see that others made it out, I yeah. think was probably something that he, that really meant a lot to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Uh, was there any other characters? I mean, you know, Lando came back for this movie. Uh, I liked how they yeah. used him. Yeah, I like how they used him too, especially since Carrie, unfortunately, wasn't there to continue her part as Leia. So I like that he was sort of acting as a uh, some you know, like an extension of her, especially when Poe was put as acting general and he just didn't feel confident enough to be uh, to fit in that role. And then he there's Lando talking with him about it, and I thought that was really well done. Well, even them utilizing the footage they had of Carrie Fisher, um, you know, how did you feel about how they did that? Oh, yeah. I I wish um, more could have been done with it. Um, I, I just I wish that there was more. And unfortunately, you know, we we couldn't really do that. And that's I, 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 I had mentioned to my friend, I wish I I, I was in the boat that I wish um, they had brought in someone to recast her to play her because um, okay. I, I would have much preferred that than getting the little solitary scenes here and there. I thought it was it was impressive how much they were able to do considering mm-hmm. the limitations. Um, some of the scenes were a little awkward because you kind of know. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder if someone, if you're watching it, from a complete outside perspective and you're just not in the know at all and you just don't even know kind of what happened, if people would pick it out as easily. Um, I almost want like my dad to go see the movie who has no knowledge of anything that happens around Star Wars and see if he even notices that, you know, that that footage is, is not original. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, I I think because we knew, then you're kind it of influenced. looking for it. Yeah. And you're kind of looking at, okay, what, what do they use or – you know what? Because some of the some of the scenes to me just felt a little clunky, but mm. I but I expected that I kind of was expecting that, so I kind of gave it all a pass. Every any scene she was in, I was just kind of like impressed by what they were able to do, and not necessarily too worried about you know how well the scene was. If that makes right. Any sense. <laughs> right. No, I completely understand. I just wish that there could have been more between her and Ben, because I felt like that's where it was going. Um, you know, years ago with The Force Awakens and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really would have wanted to see more interactions between those two characters. But for what we got, I'm, I'm okay with and I accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, don't, I think we, I mean, considering the amount of time we we used to cover Mandalorian and this, and I feel like <laughs> there's so, we probably could have talked for a much longer, but... We have to end at some point. So yes, we do. Sadly, uh, we should should probably go ahead and wrap up. But uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of a, a cool opportunity to bring back Star Scavengers at least at least briefly, um, so we could talk about these topics. And maybe uh, sometime in the near future, we'll find something else to talk about. Yeah, maybe there will be a new Lego show. Who knows? I, I feel like there's a few animated shows in development right now. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out for new Lego shows. Uh, cool Lego sets that come out and then we'll look for any topic that we can uh, kind of get back on the microphones and talk some star scavengers every yeah. once in a while. <laughs> but I'm so glad to know that you love both things. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, I'm loving Star Wars right now. No, yeah, no complaints. Same. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up. And until next time, be a builder and don't mess with the freemakers. Makers.